Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ. job. Good morning to all of you. Good morning online, wherever you're watching from. We welcome you in. Why don't you, if you're online, check in. Just do a hi, engage us in some way. And if you're a local, right, you live in the Winnebago County, Rock County, Dane County area, and you haven't been back to church, there's nothing like being back. And we've got that remnant, like the 15% that are still out there. We'd love you to come back. Uh, one of the things I was noticing is that last week at Stateline, the stream went dead. It went kaput. They didn't have the stream. So those who were waiting on, online to watch the service participated and couldn't do it. So that's a disadvantage, right? Here, if all the equipment went down and they didn't put any verses on the wall, I got my Bible right here, right? And I got my sermon right here. And so we go without a hitch. But if you were at home, you'd miss out. And so there are some faces that haven't seen you in a while that really want to see you. And if you are healthy and you're in the area, we would love to have you back. Right, guys? Right? All right. That's good. Because I didn't need a tepid response. I didn't need, you know, like, we need you back. That wouldn't have been good. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. We are going through the life and ministry of Jesus, and I wanted you to have some context as to where we're at. I'm not sure how long we've been in the series, The Gospel Project, but Jesus, as we're studying in the Gospels, is in year two of his ministry. He's starting year two in his second trip through Galilee. And what's going to happen in year two are two concurrent events, and one leads to the next. One is he's going to continue to grow in popularity. That his preaching and the miracles are going to attract thousands upon thousands of people. And what that's going to do is it's going to draw the masses to Jesus and away from the establishment. And so as Jesus teaches things that are contrary to the religious establishment, he gets their dander up and he starts to threaten. They begin to see Jesus as an existential threat to their way of life. Because if the masses stop going, to church, their lifestyle ends. Their power ends. They have no authority or rule if there's nobody to have authority over. And so they see Jesus and what he's doing as their competition, and they are losing the battle. So popularity will increase, but also hostility increases. And the plots to take Jesus's life are going to go from private, dark rooms kind of thing to out in the open. So his, his, the anger towards Jesus and the things that he's saying and the things that he's doing that are contrary to their law are going to reach a pinnacle 
in the coming year, which will lead us into that third and final year where it's gloves off, okay? So let's pick up where we left off last week in Matthew 11, as Jesus is going to say one of the most important teachings he's ever said. So at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. When he says these things, he means the truths, the revelations, right? John 1.18, no one has seen the Father at any time, but God the Son was in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. Jesus explains to us revelation of who God is. And that will be received, Jesus says, by those who come to me as little children, right? You come humble. You come with curiosity. You come eager to learn, easy to teach. But to the astute, to the learned, who think they know it all, right? Remember we said last week, no matter who you are, no matter how many degrees are on your wall, you only know in part. We are capable in this life only of knowing in part, Paul says. We see through a glass darkly. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known, because then we shall see face to face. But now we know in part. So to have humility and to say, I don't have the divine figured out. There is more I don't know than I know. And to say, God, I want to receive from you. I, I'm humble. I want you to teach me. And you come as a little child. Jesus says, those are the ones who are taught. Yes, Father, for this is what you please, were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And, to, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so Jesus was revealing the Father, to all those who would gather and listen to him preach. And then he gives a personal invitation. And he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What kind of rest? Best kind of rest. Soul rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now that vernacular is somewhat unusual for us. We don't really function with yokes. We don't really sometimes don't even know what a yoke is. So what is the word picture? What is the analogy that Jesus is make when he talks about his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Well, yoke pretty much looks the same now as it did centuries ago. And so this is a yoke. Centuries ago, this is an ancient yoke, and you would take two animals of like kind, whatever they might be. Usually to plow, you would use oxen, and you'd want to have them equally yoked. You would want not a, an, an ox and a, and a donkey. You would want two oxes there, right? And you wouldn't take two new oxes that are just getting breaking in. You would take an older, experienced ox and yoke it with a younger one who needs to learn the ropes, right? And the younger one learns by watching the older one what to do and what's expected of them. And so Jesus here is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. He's the experienced one. He's the one who knows, right? And so he said, I'm inviting you to join me. I will train you. I will help you. For my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. What does that mean? 
what, what you wanted to do when you had oxen is you wanted to make sure that went around their necks was very smooth. In those days, it would have been all wood, and it looks like wood now, right? And you want it to be buffed, sanded. You don't want any splinters, any jagged edges that would hurt the animal. You want the yoke easy. And together, they plow, and it makes the load lighter. And Jesus says, my burden is light. I will make your plow easier. I will help you through the difficulties and the struggles of this life. As you plow through your field, as you live out your purpose, you encounter rocks and thistles and hard ground. I will be with you, and I will help you. And so I want you to notice something really important about that yoke, that if that you put your head in one side of the yoke, there is only room for one other person or thing on the other side, right? There's not three, there's not four, there's two. And so I ask you the question today, how do you like your yoke? Or I could say, who's in the yoke? These are all yoke jokes. They don't get any better than this. I'm sorry. I, I have no shame. I will attach anything to help you remember the sermon, even dumb jokes, right? I'll, I'll do anything to help you remember what I'm talking about. You're asked that at the way, at, by the waitress. This is a different kind of yoke. How do you like your yoke? Who, who are you yoked to? And some of them might say, well, I'm not really yoked to anyone or anything, right? And there's a, a sense of independence there in her face. I don't really need anybody. I don't really need anything. I'm not yoked to anyone. And I would say to the person who says that, well, you're yoked to something called humanism. Because humanism teaches you don't need the divine. You don't need anybody. You have all the answers in and of yourself. And so secular humanism is something people are yoked to. It's a worldview. It's a school of thought that teaches you are efficient in and of yourself. <clears throat> Another person might say, well, I'm not yoked to anything or anyone because there is nothing else. We come into this world alone, we leave the, this world alone, and that's all there is. And that's a worldview called naturalism, materialism. All you see is all that there is. And so you're yoked to that worldview. You're yoked to that position that says, unless I can put it in a test tube and measure it, experiment with it, it's not real. And is love real? Can you put love in a test tube? Can you measure it? You can't. You see its results. It's real. There are a lot in this world that we don't see. And Paul says what we don't see is more real than what we see. You could sum it up this way. It's being yoked to worldly philosophies. And by worldly philosophies, and I'm going to use this as an image, I mean anything that is not linked to the source, not linked to the divine. Now, I love Greek culture, Hellenistic culture. I studied philosophies as part of the ministry. When you, you, you study Socrates and, and Plato and Aristotle and all that. But I chose this as, as kind of the birthplace of this renaissance of thought as man tries to figure out who he is and what his purpose is. And what am I here for? And so it's not to denigrate that. That's wonderful. But I don't want to put my yoke to that, Right? I don't want to say any man-made philosophy, that's what I'm yoked to. That's my be-all, end-all. That's my answer that I want to, li to, to link to as I plow through this life. And the reason is, is because all of them, no matter how good they are or how good they sound, at their root are man-made. Paul talks about that in the book of Colossians. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men and according to the elementary principles of the world, 
rather than according to Christ. Do you remember when Paul is engaging in Athens in Acts chapter 17? Right? It says, all the Athenians did every day was gather around and talk about something new. Like, what, how do you see the world, right? And Paul starts to talk, and they go, well, you're talking about strange deities. We've never heard this before. And so you come back tomorrow, and you tell us more. And what Paul is trying to convince them, right, by talking about their unknown God, idol, that they had, is there is something more. There is someone who is the source of all it is. And he has spoken. He has revealed himself through Christ. And Paul says, for in him all the fullness of the deity lives or dwells in bodily form. And in you, in him, you've been made complete. You have all that you need, for he is the head over all rule and authority. And Paul says, the gospel I preach, I didn't preach from human origin. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I am yoking with Jesus. He's the source of truth. And so the first question I ask myself is, am I yoking to and united with a man-made tradition as my source to go through life? Or am I linked to the divine? And Paul says, when you're linked to Jesus, you're linked to the source. You have all that you need in him. Second yoke that we're linked to is religion. And you might think that's weird. Coming from a church, we're Christian church, right? Christianity is your religion. I don't consider myself necessarily a religious person. I don't think Christianity is about religion. I think it's about relationship. It's about knowing God. What happens with religion is we take the divine, and then we, we then start to add to it. Man-made structures, right? And all these rules, external rules. And it becomes ritual and ceremony. And we start to have more loyalty to the traditions, to the structures, to the rules we've created. And we start to forget the divine. And we become imbalanced when we do that. And so we're not about religion. When Jesus came on the scene, he broke the yoke of religion. He brought freedom. He brought relationship to people. But there was a segment of the body of Christ identified as believers, but they weren't willing to give up the old way of life. There was too much comfort and security in their rules and regulations. God said, don't write, break the Sabbath, rest in the Sabbath. And so man would write hundreds of rules, for example, on what it meant to not break the Sabbath. And you had to obey all their hundreds of rules in addition to the one rule God gave, which was to rest on the Sabbath, you see. And so it became observing those 600 rules rather than the one rule which says rest. And they didn't want to abandon their old structures. They didn't want to abandon the old way of life. They wanted to hold on to it. And so there is this meeting, and it's tense. And Christian leaders, some we know and some we don't know, came from all around the world. And they gathered, as far as Christianity has spread, and they gathered in Jerusalem to hammer this thing out. And it says in verse 5 of Acts 17, or 15, it says, then some of the believers, and notice these, they identify as Christians. They identify as believers. Although they wouldn't have been known as Christians at that point. 
They would have been known as followers of the way. Because believers belonging to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. To which the Gentiles replied, what? It's not in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. They must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. In other words, we, you could add Jesus to the old system, but we're not going to embatten the old system. They need to continue to conform to the rules of the law. The salvation, Jesus plus doctrine, right? Throw Jesus in the mix, but don't throw out the law. So the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. And this is a defining moment in the history of the church, right? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Because we look to the apostles as the ones who are carrying out the teachings and the ministry of Jesus. What will they say? Will they adhere to the old system and just add Jesus into the equation? Or will they say it's a new day? After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now that was Acts chapter 10, and he ministered to Cornelius, who became the first Gentile convert. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them. He purified their hearts by faith. And they were not observers of the law. They were Gentiles. He had not been circumcised, right? Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? He refers to religion as a yoke. And he said, you're trying to put the law right back on us and make us live under it again. No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. That we are saved by grace. And, the, and, the, and that meeting still resonates. It's still, it still goes out throughout the land that there's freedom in Christ. But yet there are those who want to hold on to their religion, right? When I was growing up, I was involved in a couple of youth groups, and one of them was pretty holy, right? And we kind of had this saying that went like this, we don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. And we began to define our Christianity, our righteousness, by all the things we didn't do. And so you being a Christian means you don't dance, you don't go to bad movies, you don't play cards, unless it's Rook. <laughs> you know. You don't do this, 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 this. And then there's certain, and then there were other groups that we belonged to. We weren't necessarily a part of them, but we went to functions, and they had other rules. Ladies couldn't wear makeup. And some ladies had to have long hair. They couldn't cut their hair. And others, they could have long hair, but they had to put it up in a bun because that was holiness. And they couldn't wear pants. They had to wear dresses, right? And guys, you had to always have short hair off your ears and off your collar. You couldn't have long hair. And you better not ever have an earring, right? And so on and on the list went. And all these things define us. This is the kind of music you can listen to. And if you listen to this music, you're not a Christian, okay? This is the kind of TV show you can watch, but you watch that soap opera, you're in trouble on Judgment Day, right? And so the, the list just gets longer and longer of religion and legalism. Legalism and religion is kind of like this guy. 
It's a drill sergeant, right? Jesus says, I've come to, my burden is light. Is this guy going to make your burden lighter? Would you like to yoke with this guy when you plow a field? Oh, you can do faster. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, one, two, three, one, two, three. You're not going to get any rest with this guy. That's religion. Religion always tells you you don't measure up. You've got to try harder. Come on, suck it up. Religion's always barking at you. Religion's a bully. You never measure up. And that's the point of grace. Grace says, exactly. And that's why you need a Savior. That's why you need the Lord. Because you're not saved through your works. All the law does, Paul says in Romans, it points out to you that you're a sinner. It reminds you you're a sinner. The law doesn't give you any power not to break it. It just lets you know you've done something wrong. And it lets you know that you're powerless to overcome it and to always keep it. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he fulfills the law, and he breaks the yoke of religion. Don't put it back on. The third one I want to talk about is being yoked to your past. What I mean by this is some of us are yoked to our past, and that our past has come to define us. There are things we did, things we said that weren't right and that weren't good, and we're reminded of them. We feel guilty about them. And there's people who love to remind us about the things that we've done wrong or the things we've said wrong. And so what happens for this person is pretty soon what I've done in the past, the negativity of my past, becomes defining moment of who I am. And I start to see myself as that victim. I start to, to be bound to the past. So the past becomes my present because that's where my mind is. And negativity starts to fill my life. And I don't have a very bright future, kind of like this guy, Eeyore, right? Eeyore never has a good day. Good morning, Eeyore. What's so good about it? Same today as it's going to be tomorrow, you know. He wakes up every day hoping he'll be somebody cool like Rabbit. But he looks in the mirror and he's just same old Eeyore, right? Nobody wants to be around him because he's always negative, right? Eeyore mentality, this defeatist mentality that says, I've done this bad thing, therefore I am a bad person, and I don't deserve anything good in my life. Well, the gospel comes on the scene, and it breaks that yoke as well. You know who, was, who could have been bound to the past very easily? Was the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul had a horrendous start. He views Jesus as a heretic. He him, views him as a blasphemer, and you guys, the church, you are blasphemers as well. And so his mission is to eradicate Christianity from the face of the earth. And he does that by violence. He does that by force. He has families ripped apart and thrown into jail. Moms or dads thrown into jail because their children are leaving their children behind because they're Christians. He even has a man named Stephen killed stoned to death and he organizes it and they lay their coats at his feet in in Acts 8 of a man named Saul and Saul gives approval to the bloodshed and Stephen is brutally killed and he looks on with favor this is his past and Paul speaks about that in first Timothy and he says I thank Christ Jesus our Lord 
who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I thought I was on God's side, but I wasn't. I was working against God. In fact, Jesus said to him, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Do you remember that? The goals were little pricks, little pointy things, and if the, the beast uh, you know, that was plowing got out of line, you'd hit it with a goad. And you'd say, look, I'm the master. I'm going to win. You better plow straight. You better fall in line because every time you don't, you're going to get a little prick here. You're going to get a little goad. And Paul is trying to eradicate the church. And every time he tries to eradicate the church, the church grows. Every time he tries to put out the fire of Christianity, the fire spreads. And it's getting really annoying. And Jesus says to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it, Paul? Paul, just an FYI, you're actually fighting against God. Who are you, Lord? This bright light, this booming voice, who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. To persecute the church was to persecute Jesus. Jesus identifies with the church. And Paul, miraculously, is saved and becomes a believer at that moment, and so would you. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul says, if, you, if you'd only catch one thing I'm going to say to you in this book, catch this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's what he really believed about himself. I'm the worst. Tell me what bad thing you've done. Why well, I murdered somebody. Well, I did too. Tell me what bad thing you've done. Why well, I robbed from somebody. Oh, yeah? Well, I tried to eradicate the church. I called Jesus a heretic and tried to stop the spread of the gospel. So whoever you were, Paul could one-up you, right? And you think that might keep him yoked to his past. And to a degree, it does. It defines him because he goes to the disciples and he says, I'm a believer now. I want to join you. And they want nothing to do with him. He killed their friend Stephen. They love Stephen. I guarantee you, if somebody was a murderer of one of your friends that you loved, and that person came to you and said, I know I killed your friend, but I'm a different person now, and I want to be your friend too. You might have some hesitation. You might say, no, thank you. Or I don't believe you, and that's what they said. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. You're a mole. You're a spy. You're going to turn on us. And Barnabas, he goes to Barnabas, and Barnabas says, how's it go? Paul says, it didn't go well, man. They don't believe me. They don't like me. They don't want me. Barnabas goes, let's go back. I don't want to go back there. Come on. This time you're coming with me. We're going to get this thing straight. You're not defined by your past, Paul. You're defined by your present. You belong to Jesus. And Barnabas, the son of encouragement, takes him right to the apostles, brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Boys, this one is one of ours. And he broke the yoke of the past that had bound Paul. And he said he has got a new definition he is a child of the king. And I want you who are bound by your past to know that you can break that yoke today and begin to define yourself, not by what you've done in the past, 
but by who you belong to in the present. That you have received grace and forgiveness. And the word says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. All things have become new. And you can say amen if you're alive. Amen. Amen. And Paul says, we want to be yoked to Jesus. Yoked to Jesus. Not yoked to the worldly traditions. Not yoked to religion. Not yoked to our past. But yoked to Jesus. Come to me. All ye who are weary and burdened. Notice Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Jesus doesn't say, come to God, and he will give you rest. He says, come to me. And when you look up proof texts of Jesus asserting himself as God, this probably won't be in there, but it is one. Put those words in your mouth. You shouldn't, by the way, but do it as an experiment. Saying to somebody, come to me if you're tired and weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. You can't do that. You can't make that promise. Only God can say those words, and Jesus says those words. He says, you come to me because he's God. I will give you rest. I'm your creator. I will give you rest. Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. And it sounds like that's pretty much the same word, but it isn't. To be weary is the things that you do. As you're going through life, you become weary. Maybe you're going through struggle, health issues or financial issues or marital issues or problems with your kids or problems in your job, and you just become weary, right? Maybe it's long hours. Maybe there's pressure at school, pressure at work, and you're feeling it. That's weariness. Burdens are what other people do to you. That's external, right? Because you've got your own junk, and then you've got people dumping their garbage on you. Right? And it's not something you've done. It's what they've done to you. That's your burden. So Jesus talks about both. He talks about the internal, the weariness, and the external, the burdens. And he says, bring all of that junk to me. Everything, bring it to me. Understand this. Jesus overcame sin and death. Understand this. The tomb is empty today. There may be a lot of questions you have and a lot of things you don't understand, but Christ is risen from the dead. And Jesus says, come to me. Bring all of that stuff to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hopefully, as we've read that the second time, it means a whole lot more to you than it did the first time we read it through. Would you take Jesus up on his invitation? Why would you want to be linked to anyone or anything other than Christ when he's made that invitation to all who are weary and burdened? Would you join me in prayer online as well? Father, I pray right now for the weary and the burdened. I pray right now for those of us who've been locked, yoked to a man-made doctrine which ends up to be empty or ends up with deception. Or maybe we've been yoked with religion and we still don't see ourselves good enough and we're, we're trying to achieve and we're working hard to be righteous. And the drill sergeant of the law is barking at us all the time that we fall short and we just need to allow that yoke to be broken. We need to yoke ourselves to our Lord to receive His grace. Or maybe, Lord, we've been yoked to the past and that's come to define us. And we are a victim, perpetual victim, but Lord, might we 
be identified with the victor, with the one who rose again. Lord, might we find our identity in you today. That if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Break the yoke of the past. And might we be yoked to you. There's only room for one. Lord, might you be the one that we yoke to as we plow through this life together with you to fulfill the purpose for which you've made us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And your assignment for next week is to read Luke chapter 7 as we continue in this second year of Jesus' ministry. I want to read to you a thank you. This is from the church in Warsaw, Poland. This is not a form letter. This is a church, this is a letter written specifically to you to Faith Community Church, Janesville, Faith Community Church, State Line, Faith Community Church, Spanish. All of us are participating in this offering. It says, thanks for your help and financial support. It is so important for us now and so moving. It's just unbelievable how God cares about his people in Ukraine, using his church around the world. We don't even know each other personally. We have never met, but it feels like family. Thank you so much. No words can express what we feel and how we are thankful to God and you, your church. Thanks for the video. They watched the stream of last week's message when I talked directly to them, if you recall, at the end of the message. Thank you for the video. It was so moving. Thank you for your prayer, support, and being a part of our church family and lives of our refugees. It is incredible. And so as refugees get jobs and get assimilated and leave the church, others are coming in, right? And they send us some pictures. So we can see some are from leadership. Others of them are just selling supplies, things they bought for the refugees. Some of these family probably had to leave her husband. And they had to leave their dad. And he had to stay and fight, not knowing if they would ever see them again. And so this becomes their home temporarily. And this little, little mom had to leave her husband, and his dad had to stay behind to fight. And so there's some of the team that we're partnering with. Some come and go, right? The, the transportation, they arrive and they leave. You know, we're, ref- we're looking for these people. They've made arrangements to stay at the church. We're waiting for them to arrive. And there they are. There's the people that know you, the people that are thankful for you. So if you want to continue to be a part of that love offering, um, there is two ways to give. You can go online, choose your crane. You can go in the back, and uh, there's an, one right there. The normal ones are all, all around, but the Ukraine one is this pillar right, as I'm pointing right here. It's an ongoing offering. Our main offering, we have to keep that strong, but if you're able to give extra to, to soil towards Ukraine, We'll continue to do this as long as we need, and we send them money every single week. Okay, let's stand as we as we close in prayer. Um, do we have some who are going to be coming up front for prayer today? Uh, who are the prayers, Je- Pastor Jesse? Okay, so if you need prayer, please come forward so we can pray with you. We're going to pray now for our offering online. Just click on the drop arrow and offering. We are doing more as a church to help missions, to help our community for outreach than we've ever done in the history of our church. And then we need everybody, the people online, the people that are here to support this ministry now more than ever. 
And it's amazing what God is doing right now. Who would have thought two years ago, before the pandemic hit, that there would be a war in Ukraine and we would stream a service to Poland where they would watch us? Who would have thought we'd be streaming into nursing homes in our area? Who would have thought that we would be streaming our Saturday night service into the Philippines and reaching a couple thousand people there every week? It's, there's been good things with the pandemic, bad things, but there's been some good things too. And we've been able to reach a larger audience online uh, as well. And so uh, I give thanks for your generosity and for your obedience. Let's close out our service this morning in prayer. Father, we thank you today for the gathering, uh, whether we've gathered online or gathered in, in person here, to come together as the body of Christ, to sing, to pray, to give now, to listen to your word, and most importantly, for life change to take place. And so, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, just bring life change to us, wherever we need, Lord, whatever we're yoked out of Christ, bring about that change that we might be yoked to you. We pray for the church in Poland, Poltava, we pray for the refugees that are there and the refugees around the world. We pray for the Leclerc's, Lord, Ray and Cindy, their ministry. And God, we just undergird them that they would persevere, that you would protect, Lord, the innocents, that you would provide for these refugees as they seek to make a new home, that you'd bring peace to that region and peace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Community Church Podcast. We are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message. If you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the Word of God, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.